Well, hey there, great to see you. My name is Luke, I'm one of the pastors here and part of our teaching team. And uh, before we finish this series here in Isaiah 40, let me tell you about what we're gonna do over the, um, really beginning next week through the rest of the fall. We're gonna be uh, actually opening up the Gospel of John. We're gonna begin a study in the Gospel of John. It's gonna probably, it's gonna take us through the end of this year and probably most of next year. So we're gonna kind of take our time. We're not gonna be in any real hurry, but we just felt like it would be really good for all of us uh, to be able to focus on Jesus, who he is, what he said, and what he did. Um, I, I don't know about you, but maybe you're like me. I actually came to faith reading the Gospel of John. And I'm so thankful for God's word and for how many people actually have that experience. And so uh, my hope is that whether you're kind of kicking the tires on Christianity or whether you are a follower of Christ who's walked with him for decades, uh, that you'll join us as we begin that series next week and uh, really look at who Christ is and what he's accomplished. Uh, similar or, or maybe kind of bouncing off of that, uh, something that some of you have started is this thing that we're calling watch parties. Uh, these watch parties where maybe you're a person that says, you know what, I'm not really ready next week to gather with 100 people or 200 people or however many people come. I'm not ready for that, but I'm kind of tired of doing this thing by myself. Um, I'd like to get together with a small group of folks. We have some resources for you that we would love to make available. Just go to gateway.redemptionaz.com slash watch party and you can be able to get some information. We actually have some kits that we'll send your way if you're willing to host this and you can invite friends and invite people and kind of have a little bit of a house church uh, type experience. We want to make that accessible for you. And the, and the connection there with John is that you might have people in your life that would never darken the doors of our campus, but they would actually be curious about who Christ is and what he's done. And so we would encourage you, uh, maybe even think about watch parties as a way to, to engage with people who don't yet know Jesus. But as I said, we're finishing this series today in Isaiah chapter 40. And this is a series that really just came out of what uh, 2020 has felt like. And here's what 2020 has felt like to me. It has felt like getting eaten by a duck. 2020 feels like getting eaten by a duck, right? Like there's part of you, if you're going to get eaten by something, you would like it to just be an alligator, shunk, right? Just chomp your head off and pick quick, painless, I'm done. But uh, 2020 feels like getting eaten by a duck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just little by little by little. And, uh, and honestly, you might ask the question, well, well, will it get better? Will it get better? Do you have an answer to that question? Uh, I, I think of Yogi Berra. He had this great quote. It's tough to make predictions especially about the future. It's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. And we don't know what the rest of 2020 is gonna look like. And uh, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we realize it just, it may not get better. But we're gonna focus on a bigger God. That's what this series has been about. Big problems, bigger God. As we've looked at Isaiah 40, we've seen a number of things. We've seen that God comforts, pardons, shows his glory, that he stands forever. Uh, we've seen that this big God is tough and tender. He's supreme over creation. He's supreme over his rivals. And he is incomparable. That's what we've seen as we've looked at this reality that there are big problems, but there's a bigger God. Today, we're going to try to really um, kind of get to the so what of it. The what difference does this make? How could this big God actually begin to leverage his strength and his resources for me? How could I begin to actually experience some of the strength that God has to bring? So that's what we're going to look at here in this last part of Isaiah chapter 40. So as we do, let's pray together. Let's ask God's help as we open his word. Uh, Father, we don't know what these next months will look like. We don't uh, have any ability to predict that future. 
Uh, but you know what it's like and you're not worried. You're not uh, fretting. You care deeply and you have strength and you have things to offer us. And so God, we pray that you would use your word now to help us be reminded again of how great you are, but to also have some hope for how your greatness could intersect with our weakness and give us what we desperately need, which is your grace. We pray it in Christ's name, amen. Amen. So there's three things that we're going to look at here in verses 27 to 31. We're going to look at our complaint, we're going to look at God's reminder, and we're going to look at God's invitation. So first, let's look at our complaint. Here's the complaint of verse 27. Uh, Verse 27 says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? If you haven't been with us these last few weeks, what we said at the beginning of this series was that when God begins to comfort his people in Isaiah 40, he says, comfort, comfort my people. He's comforting them because they are headed into exile. Isaiah is actually writing this a few hundred years before the people of Judah will be sent to Babylon in exile. Uh, And he's writing this as though they're already there. And he's talking as if he's talking to people in exile saying God is bringing comfort. And if you're in exile and if you're uh, of Jacob and of Israel in verse 27, you're thinking to yourself, my way's hidden from God. My, my right is disregarded. God is not paying attention to my cause. God does not care. I'm hurting and I'm lonely and I'm isolated and this is not the way I envisioned my life going. God, where are you? The world is hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard to keep trusting. After a while, as you keep getting eaten by this duck, it starts to feel like, God, do you, do you really care? I mean, I'm reading this stuff, but are you actually listening? Are you actually there? Do you actually have my interests in mind? My heart's heavy this week. We have some extended family who have experienced in the last week two deaths. Death of a little boy who's a teammate of one of my nephews. A death of a, my brother-in-law's stepmom. Within the span of a, of a week. Both unexpected. Maybe you have something like that going on. Maybe it's not that level of extreme, but it's some kind of extreme and it feels heartbreaking to you. And, and the reality is if, if you're going through pain, which we almost always are, our complaint is, God, where are you? God, don't you see me? God, don't you care? And this whole chapter, and especially this section, is written for God to say, yes, yes, I do care. Where do we look when it feels like God doesn't see us? Well, we may feel like God doesn't see us, but that's usually because we're not seeing him. And so we need to behold our God. And that's what verse 28 does for us, is it? this is God's reminder. So we have our complaint, but then God gives us a reminder, a reminder of who he is. And look at what it says in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Four qualities that this verse reminds us about God. This is all stuff that we saw last week. 
uh, and the week before as we looked at who God is, just lifted up in Isaiah chapter 40. But just by way of reminder, look at these phrases. The Lord is the everlasting God. This means God goes forever and he doesn't wear out. We're at a point now where we've been in our house, I guess it's about 11 or 12 years, Molly and I have, and I think the house is somewhere around 15, 16, 17 years old, which means it feels like everything in our house is breaking. And that would be kind of exciting for some of you because you go, oh, cool, this gives me some projects to do. This is mostly terrifying for me because I can't fix jack squat. <laughs> I can't do anything. And uh, Molly only has so much capacity. She can fix a lot of stuff, but she, uh, she only can do so many things. And so it just feels like, man, oh, this is breaking. That's tearing down. That's wearing out. That's, and, and it just feels, and, and often, does that sort of feel how life is? It just feels like it's just wearing out. Here's the good news. God doesn't wear out. He's the everlasting God. He doesn't break down. He doesn't run out of steam. He doesn't need fixed. We gotta remember this is who God is. He's the everlasting God. The the next part of verse 28 says, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. Now, we sort of hear that, especially kind of from our perspective as uh, monotheists who believe there's one God over everything. And... um, that doesn't kind of, I mean, I guess it's saying, yeah, God made everything. But this is a very countercultural statement to Isaiah's readers because they lived in a time when there were all these local deities. Babylon had their God. The Canaanites had their God. The Perizzites and the Amorites had their gods. And those people all viewed it as, oh, well, Israel has its God. But, but Israel's God actually says something different than all those. Israel's God says that he's the creator of the ends of the earth meaning he's God over everywhere. He's God over Arizona, and he's God over Ohio, and he's God over China, and he's God over Turkey, and he's God over anywhere you can think of. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. I love this quote by Abraham Kuyper. He says this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine, mine. We may feel like God doesn't see us. We may feel like we've kind of escaped his sight. We haven't. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. Every square inch of the universe, he says, that's mine. It says in the next phrase, and this is a couple of key words. We're going to see this throughout this. It says, he does not faint or grow weary. He does not faint or grow weary. Those words faint and grow weary are used together uh, here in verse 28, uh, also used in verse 30, also used in verse 31. We'll talk about those in just a moment. But the idea here is that God doesn't wear out. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't get exhausted. God doesn't toil or labor or have to catch his breath. Think about this for a moment. God doesn't need to sleep. And we go, oh man, that stinks for him because I love to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, sleep's great if you can get it. Um, If you're having a hard time sleeping, sleep is really, really awful. But think about this for a moment. God could have made us to not need sleep. He doesn't sleep. Look at what it says in Psalm 121 verse four. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Have you ever reflected on this for a moment? Why has God made it where we get so tired? He could have made it where that didn't happen. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't get faint. 
And I love the reflection on this. This is kind of a longer quote. You'll see a bunch of words pop up here on your screen, but just follow along. It's a brief theology of sleep by Dr. John Piper. He says this, sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep, says Psalm 121, but Israel will, for we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. This sickness is a chronic tendency to think that we are in control and that our work is indispensable. To cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. How humiliating to the self-made corporate executive that he has to give up all control and become as limp as a suckling infant every day. Sleep is a parable that God is God and we are mere men. God handles the world quite nicely while a hemisphere sleeps. Sleep is like a broken record that comes around with the same message every day. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Don't let the lesson be lost on you. We faint. We get weary. We get tired. We get sleepy. But God doesn't. So we look to him. Look at the last little description of God in verse 28. It says his understanding is unsearchable. So he's the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary and his understanding is unsearchable. Here it's talking about God's wisdom. It's talking about God's insight. Uh, Many of you have probably heard the, the mission statement of Google, right? Google has been, you know, Google's just everywhere it feels like. Um, Google's been big time in the news lately as all these tech uh, CEOs had to go testify before Congress and that sort of thing. You know the mission of Google. Here's the mission of Google. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible. Now, I think so far, they're doing pretty good at that. <laughs> like they're, they're doing a decent job organizing the world's information and making it universally accessible accessible. And most of us would say, man, what Google has accomplished is incredible. Like, can you imagine trying to build something like Google from the ground up? Like it just, you couldn't do it. But, but listen, that's the best that man can do is organize the world's information and try to make it accessible. (laughs) The best we can do is organize it. God knows it already. God doesn't have to be told it, right? God never has to search anything on Google. God knows it all. He understands it all. And he doesn't just have the information. He doesn't just have the facts. He has the wisdom about how best to use those facts. He has the wisdom about how best to run the world. At any given moment, God might be trying to do 10,000 different things in your life. And you might at best know one or two of them. And he's not just doing that for you, he's doing that for the billions of people around this world. His understanding is unsearchable. This might be the centerpiece of this little section. That if we can trust that God's understanding is unsearchable, that we can say, God, I don't get this, but I trust you. God, I don't know that I would have wanted it this way, but even if it doesn't go the way I want, I'm gonna look to you. That's God's reminder. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Which brings us finally to God's gift. God's gift. Look with me at verse 29. It says, he gives power to the faint 
And to him who has no might, he increases strength. These two words. Did you see them? Did you see these two words? He gives. He gives. This is amazing news. Where would we be if this all-powerful, almighty God didn't give? If, if, if these words were not here, if God was not one who gave, where would we be? We would be mostly terrified of this God, right? If there's a God who knows everything and has all the power and is strong and is wise and is all of this stuff, but he doesn't give of himself, that's mostly a threat to us, isn't it? But he gives. He gives. He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Look at verse 30. Even youths shall faint and be weary. There's those words again, faint and be weary. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. See, listen, God doesn't faint or grow weary, but we do. Right? I, I said these words, faint and grow weary, are key words. Let's look at just what these mean for a moment. Faint is a word that means to lose strength. It's just the, the kind of loss of strength that just comes from living, right? This is why we have to be turned into helpless sacks of sand uh, once a day is because we just grow faint. We wear out, right? And, and if you're like, well, I don't get that tired. I don't get that faint. Yes, you do. You, <laughs> most of us, we go on vacation and come back tired. That's how tired we are. Uh, we just lose strength. We just sort of run out of it. So that's what it is to be faint and it says, verse 30, even youths, even the young men, even, even strong young men shall faint. They wear out, right? This is, this is why you take your kids to the pool in summer. If you're like, oh my gosh, they, they need to do something. We need to just get these kids tired, right? Because even kids get tired. Even you shall faint. But, but, but the next word says, be weary. And what that is, is that's not just the normal wear and tear of, of being tired and being sleepy. Uh, growing weary, being weary here, this Hebrew word has with it the idea of wearing out from all this extra toil and labor and striving. Like, like think about it this way, your car can just wear out over time, right? That's, that's faint. Or your car can wear out extra hard because you redline it and you don't take care of it and you, and you grind it really hard. That's to be weary, and, and we're both like a car that just naturally wears out, we're faint, and we're a car that, that gets driven too hard. We, we weary ourselves out, we wear ourselves out. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Are you faint? Are you weary? Yeah, yeah you are, you are, but God's not. So the question becomes, okay, if God's not, and I am, how do I access this strength? Is it possible for God's strength that is seemingly endless, right? God doesn't have some small supply of it, right? A lot of us kind of, we go, we, we actually find a place where we get rested and we're like, okay, nobody talk to me. Uh, nobody, nobody asked me for anything because I've got my energy and I've got to store it and I've got to keep it. I can't give it away. I, I can't, I don't have extra. God has extra. So what would it mean for God who has extra to give some to us? How might this happen? We'll look at verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be 
faint. How do we access God's strength? We, verse 31, wait for the Lord. We wait for the Lord. Now, when we hear wait for the Lord, we think that this must mean, okay, I'm supposed to sit down in a chair and wait. Okay, do I count to 10? What do I do? Okay, God, has it happened yet? What do we mean? No, that's not what this is talking about. Waiting is this picture of hoping, of trusting, of looking to the Lord. It's, it's, it's looking to the Lord. It's hoping in the Lord. It's trusting in the Lord. It doesn't mean we cease all activity. It doesn't mean we just have to stop, though, though often that can be helpful. But it's saying, God, as I do my day, as I function in the responsibilities you've called me to function in, I'm not going to do that drawing from my strength and my thoughts about what's important. I'm going to do it drawing from you. That's what it is to wait on the Lord. This isn't about the time it takes. It's about where you look. Now, as we said, the, the, the challenge here in verse 30 was even you shall faint and be weary, right? We, we wear out and then we wear ourselves out. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. So, so listen, here's the deal. We have two choices. You have two choices. You can wear yourself out or you can wait for the Lord. You can wear yourself out or you can wait for the Lord, right? You can wear yourself out. When you're, when you're weary, you can go, you know what? I just need to dig deeper. I just need to go to Barnes and Noble. I need to get on Amazon. I need to get some self-help books. You know what? There's this really great podcast. I need to listen to all that. I need to inspire myself. I need to motivate myself. And listen, that can be helpful for a while, but it won't last. You can wear yourself out. You can toil, you can labor, you can strive, you can stress, or you can wait for the Lord. Instead of looking inside, you can look up and you can trust and you can hope and you can believe that he will give you what you need. And if you wait for the Lord, look at what it says you get. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You will get a whole new strength. Get this. This is not an increase of your strength. This is a whole new strength. This word, look at it in verse 31 there. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. This, this Hebrew word that is translated as renew in Genesis 41 is, is translated as describing someone changing clothes. Think about that. This is, you're taking off your old clothes, you're taking off your dirty clothes, and you are changing into new clothes, which means you're not cleaning up your existing clothes, you're getting a whole new set of clothes. This word is also used in Leviticus 27. It's describing the offerings that the people of God are supposed to bring to the temple. And there's certain offerings that God says, hey, 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 on this one, you can't exchange it. That's the same Hebrew word. You can't exchange this offering for another one. You gotta do this one. Right? It's the idea of saying, well, I'm going to take this one out and I'm going to put a new one in. And that's that word. That's this idea of renewing. So listen, if you wait on the Lord, if you trust in the Lord, if you hope in the Lord, if you live your life in a state of constant dependence on him, what you will find is that he will take your strength and replace it with something that's his, that doesn't wear out. How does this happen? How could this happen? Is this just some sort of magical thing or, or, or why would this be the case? Well, here's why. It's because all of this points ahead to the cross. And the cross of Jesus Christ is the place where the strong one becomes weak. Where the unwearied one 
becomes weary, where the soaring one is cut down. And on the cross, Jesus Christ gives up his strength. He becomes treated like a sinner who wears out so that he could then rise from the dead, send his spirit, and give us a new power and a new ability to have a whole new strength. This comes because of Christ. This comes because the love of God is so intense that he was not simply happy to just remain seated above the earth, looking at it like all the little grasshoppers and all the little water in his hand and all the little stretching out the heavens like a curtain, all the stuff that it said in, verse, in chapter 40. All that is gloriously true, and that God took on flesh, and he lived among us. This is what we're gonna look at next week as we start the Gospel of John. And he lived among us, and the strong one became weak so that we in our weakness could become strong. Look to him, hope in him. And then notice what this new strength will give you. He will give you the ability to soar and to run and to walk. Look what it says in verse 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Other translations will say they'll soar on, with wings like eagles. It's the idea of if you've ever seen an eagle that is sort of catching the warm afternoon breeze and is just kind of going up and going up and going up. Soaring. It's a magnificent picture of strength and of effortlessness and of ease. When you wait for the Lord and your strength is exchanged for God's strength, sometimes you soar. But it's interesting how the rest of this passage goes, isn't it? They'll soar, they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, see we, we expect this verse to go different, don't we? Wait for the Lord and he'll renew your strength and you'll walk. No, no, no. You'll run. No, no. You'll soar. That's how we expect it to go. But instead it goes soar, run, walk. Because sometimes the biggest mark of faith is not that you're soaring. It's that you just keep walking. You keep trusting. And you feel like you're getting eaten by a duck and you don't know if it's going to get better, but you just keep walking. And we'll only have the power to plod. That'd be a great t-shirt. The power to plod. That's what I want. God, just give me the power to keep plodding. If I soar once in a while, oh, that's great. If I run, oh, that's cool. But God, just help me to walk. Help me to plod. And if we look to the one who became weak for us, we'll have the strength to just keep walking. Listen, we have big problems. They're big. They're daunting. And it seems like there's not a clear end in sight. But we're going to keep trusting. And we're going to keep hoping. And we're going to keep waiting. So that God will give us the strength to just keep walking. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you and we thank you for the grace that you give us. The grace to keep walking. 
God, we all want to soar and we all want to run. But God, I pray for the grace and the strength to just walk. I pray that we would be a people who don't look to ourselves and don't look to anywhere but you to find the strength that we need to keep going. So God, would you help us and would you meet us and would you allow us to be filled by your spirit because of the exchange of your son, the unwearied one who became weary for us. God, would we look to him and would we find in him our greatest and deepest strength. We pray it in Christ's name, amen.